Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. worship you, to honor you, to obey you, to desire those things that you desire, God. I ask in in our lives in those areas where we have not put you first or we have not desired your desires, God, I ask that you would just cleanse us from those sins. Father, that you would take those things, you'd strip those things out of our lives that are not bearing fruit. And I thank you that as we remain in you, God, you remain in us. And that we will bear much fruit. I thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your presence. Hallelujah. Amen. I think I do. Am I loud enough? You might need to turn me up a bit. I don't know. Can we put this down a bit, too? Amen. God is good. I love you, church. God loves you. We're the apple of his eye. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget who we are in Christ. He paid an awesome price for you and I. He paid with his life. Amen? So it's, it's an honor to be able to give him ours back, isn't it? Well, this is a word that I've been sitting on since the summer. When Greg and I went away for holidays, I always like that time to just soak up and get away from everything and hear what God has to say. And um, so when he gave me this word, it kind of hit me between my eyes. And so, um, but but as I've been praying over it and meditating on his word, it has produced such great faith in me. And I know that it'll do that for you too. Um, When he gave me this word, as I started to pray, I've been praying also for all of you to be able to to understand the times that we are in. Uh, You know, when we said new thoughts, new ways, uh, new dreams, new seasons, Well, tonight what I'm going to talk about is it's a new season. And we have to understand the season that we're in so that we can walk with strength in what God has asked us to do. And a lot of times when we're in a new season, and that season, God says, this is what you're in, 
How many know all hell breaks loose and everything looks the opposite to what he's told you? Right? So that's one of those tonight. Okay? So what we're going to do is I, I want us to look in the book of Haggai. And this was the, the scripture that he gave me. And we're just going to read through the book of Haggai. Now, Haggai was a minor prophet. And we don't know a lot about Haggai. We only hear about him in the book of Haggai, which is only two chapters. And then we only hear him referred to once in Ezra. Because he was during that time with Ezra, and he was during that time with Nehemiah. It was like all of, the, all of Israel was taken captive. It was like a major war had happened. Everything was destroyed and ruined, and all of them were taken captive to Babylon. And so this is after when they were able to come back. And so Ezra and Nehemiah, and then there was Zechariah and Haggai, they all spoke into the church, well, the Israelites, but we're going to look at it as how it applies to us today in, in reference to that. Because I kind of look at what we're seeing around us now, and I kind of see similar parallels that we can learn from Haggai, and we can learn from the time of the Israelites with Ezra. Because it was a time when they were being, the remnant was allowed to now come back to, to Jerusalem. They were allowed to come back. And what they saw was total ruins. Their walls had been torn down. The temple had been torn down. The, um, their houses were all torn down. They're, like There was total devastation everywhere they looked. And, you know, it, it says that not all of them went back even. And, and it lists the names of the ones that did. But even some of your affluent ones that did well in Babylon stayed in Babylon. So they were coming with very limited resources, very limited everything. And this is what God said. And I love this word because, I mean, I grew up with a dad who was a contractor. So he built houses, lots of houses, at one point, we, uh, my dad owned like four or five houses at a time. He owned a big apartment building, those kind of things. So my summers were not just kick and carefree. A lot of times my summers were we had to go and work and help with these houses. We had to, you know, I remember running across planks over foundations and watching walls go up and, you know, being able to help with, picking out colors to decorate when the walls were all finally finished and it was getting ready to sell. You know, that was my summer. And I was like the popsicle girl. I had to run to the corner store and get the drinks and the popcorn and all of the rest for snacks. So when God talked to me about this word, because of that mindset, I love when God talks about building you know, even when Pastor Greg and I got married, the scripture God gave us for our wedding was, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers, let the builders labor in vain. And, you know, that's true with our lives. God has to be the one that builds. And so the season that we're in is it's a time to build. Everybody say it's a time to build. Am I echoey? No? Okay. All right, so Haggai, with Ezra, so the, 
the first remnant was called back. And they started, the first thing they started to rebuild was the temple. That was the job. And so during Ezra's time, they started to build. It says that they built the altar of the Lord and they all praised God. And then it said that they laid the foundation. And they, they were all excited. And it says some even wept during that time. But then what happened is opposition came. So strong the opposition came. And they demanded that it all stop. And so it completely stopped. There was no more building for 18 years. And then on the 18th year, Haggai spoke this word, this prophetic word. And it was talking to them at that time that they were in. And I see that this word is kind of parallel for where we are now. Because we have built. We have built. The church in Canada has built. But you know what? A lot of things have put a stop. You know, when you think of uh, the global everything being shut down and stopped and all of that. I mean, you look at people's finances alone all across the world, here included. There's a lot of areas where we can look and say, there's ruins. There's ruins. You can, you can look at, you know, God, like, look at all the things that are coming up in society now. It's like so confusing. It's like, how do I speak as a believer into these things? God, what are we supposed to do as a church? Ruins in our city. Ruins in our nation. You look at the word of God, there is, there's so much out there that we are even drifting so far away from the word of God it's, itself. Like, those are things that are ruins. So Haggai, we'll start at chapter 1, verse 1. This is, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel. I'm not sure how to say that one correct. Governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? And that was the verse that God gave me when I was away camping. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? You know, when you think of a paneled house, paneling is the last thing that gets put on in a home. That's the decorative. That's like, no, it's not just enough that I built a house to be able to survive in. Or, yeah, I need shelter. This is now like we're getting ornate. We're paneling it. We're doing everything we can to, for our home. And Haggai's saying, wait a minute here. Are you going to continue living like this while my house is in ruins? See, the temple of God had only had the foundation laid. It wasn't being built. And I can understand how they were thinking. It's like, oh, man, we're coming back. I don't have any. Look at my house, man. It's been blown to smithereens. We've got to start building. And it's like, what's the first thing? What's the priority that I make in the midst of all of this chaos? 
And it says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Sometimes we forget to do this. Give careful thought to your ways. I find we get so busy that we don't even take the time to just carefully think about what we're doing. He says, you have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but you never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, said the Lord. See, God is desiring that he's honored, that he can take pleasure. He, he wants to be first. He's a jealous God. He, he only wants first place in your heart. He only wants first place in my life. And sometimes we can make a lot of excuses for ourselves and say, yeah, but this and that and the other thing. And life can be horrendous. It was for them. And yet this was a word that God gave to them in that time. And I believe he's giving it to us in this time. And his heart is that it is a time to build. And we're going to get into this because it gets exciting. This is the hard part. This is like, ooh, we got to swallow the hard part. But then there's something that God deposits in them that brings faith, that brings an acceleration that only the power of God can do. And it says this, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you are busy with your own home. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought in the field and the mountains on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Wow. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy building your own house. See, it's not wrong to build your house. But we can become so busy in doing our own thing and in our own life, and living just for this life here, forgetting that we have a life to come, forgetting that we are eternal. And, and God is saying, look, my house is in ruins here, and I'm not happy with that. And that hit my heart. I'm like, oh, God, God. You're right, your house is in ruins right now. God, I, I, I want to be a partaker in helping build this. God, I don't want to be busy. Show me in areas in my life where I've been busy. And you know what? He did. And he does. 
And I've been praying for all of us as a church. God, show us where we're busy. God, don't let us keep running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Because we can be busy with everything, people. We can be so busy that we end up at the end of our life. And that's all we did. And I don't want that, do you? No. None of us do. Because it doesn't fill or satisfy. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shaltal, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. So first off, they were confronted with where their heart was. You're too busy. You're too busy building your own thing. And my house is in ruins. And then the fear of the Lord came. And then it says here, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shethel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. On the 24th day of the sixth month. I love that he even put a date on it. He says, look it. This is the day that the word came, that the fear of the Lord came, and this is the day when they said no, and the Spirit of God came upon them, and the Spirit of God said, I'm going to rise you up, I'm going to stir you up to not only now carry on and to try and get your own things, but that you're going to go after what I want built. And that's what the Spirit of God wants to do now. The Spirit of God wants to come in tonight and he wants to say, on this day, November 5th, the Spirit of God came into the service of Big Church and he stirred them up. He stirred us up in our most holy faith. And he said, today, I'm going to say, I am no longer going to just build my own thing. I'm no longer going to carry on. But God, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to say, I'm going to build what you have. God, what do you want to do with me? What do you want to put in my hand? God, am I the one to take the hammer and start going at the beam? Am I the one that's running? When I was a, a teenager, we went, we were supposed to go to the cottage for the summer. Okay? My uncle had this cottage that they were relifting because the foundation the, started to get wobbly. So my dad had to lift the whole cottage and then they were going to lay a new foundation so the thing didn't, you know, crash. And so he had hired help and we were going as his daughters and my mom because they were my aunt and uncles that owned this cottage and we were supposed to have a fun relaxing vacation at this cottage well we get there and the worker decided this is too hard of work I don't want to do that and he literally went and sat on the dock and refused to work <laughs> it's like my dad was so upset. He's like, now what am I going to do? Like, I don't have a worker. It's out in the middle of nowhere, Timbuktu. And so he ended up asking us girls. 
And so we said, okay, we, we will help. And what we had to do is pour cement. So all this cement, we had to keep turning the cement. And my dad had to be down in the underneath the house with the foundation because we couldn't do that part. And so we had to turn the cement and then fill our wheelbarrows. And then we had to take the wheelbarrow of cement down to my dad. Well, the tricky part was it was like this big hill that went like a windy hill like this. And we were just young girls barely able to keep up with this. I remember just like flying down that hill, doing everything you can so you didn't lose all the cement. It was heavy, hard work. But at the end of it, I was so pleased. I got to help my dad with a situation that was a difficult situation for him. And I look at my heavenly father the same way. He's saying, look at my house is in ruins. And I need you, church, because I designed it this way. I designed it that I'm not a lone ranger, but I have you to work through. And that's what he's wanting to stir up in the inside of us, that hunger to be able to continue to build, that hunger to say, you know what, okay, yes, I was busy, but I'm putting that down on this day. And now I'm going to start building. Then he says here, in the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month. So this is a month after. They're like, okay, yes, we got the spirit of the Lord upon us. He's now created that hunger on the inside of us to, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to start building. See, God doesn't ever leave us alone to have to try and do it on our own. I love that he doesn't put it like a taskmaster and say, you need to build my house. He doesn't do that. God says, all right, you know what? I need you to stop being busy, but to say, I am willing to build your house. And he says, okay, and all I need is your willingness, and I will put that spirit of God on the inside of you to do that. In Ezra, it says that, um, in Ezra, it says, God stirred up the hearts of the priests and Levites to go rebuild the temple of the Lord. And then it says in Ezra 5.8, it says, as they were starting to work, it says, the work, this is what the ones who were opposing them said, the work is being carried out with diligence and is making rapid progress under their direction. That's how the world saw it. Not only are they doing it, they're not like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, oh, I, I just a little bit. He didn't do that. They were so diligent in what they're. They was like, okay, let's get this job done. And as they were building, and as they were doing, and they were going forward to go and do that job, then they ended up saying, that the people looked at them and they said, they're doing this out of diligence. You know, and a lot of progress is happening. We're going to see a lot of progress, people. The the expectancy needs to be there. I'm seeing there's no expectancy on the things of God anymore. It's like, where did we lose that? Where did we lose that expectancy and awe and wonder of our God? Like, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords that we serve. 
And you and I can't do it, but we can do it with his strength. Amen? And that's what makes it fun. And I love what he says here. So after they've been doing it for a month, Haggai comes with another word. And he speaks to them and he says, ask them, who of you is left here who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I coveted, covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Wow. I love that. As they started to work, it's like he came with another word. Okay, just to encourage you after you've been going at it for a month, here's a word. Listen, you might be looking at what you're doing, and you might be saying, you know what, compared to what I remember things as, it, this, this looks like nothing. How many can say they felt like that sometimes? This, this just doesn't look like nothing. Oh, and what would happen? Why do you think that word was given at that time? Because when you start looking as you're working, you start putting your hand to it, all of a sudden you realize, oh man, this is a lot more work than I thought. Anybody been there? And like, oh, oh man, I, I thought we were going to be in glory land before now. Like, what happened here? You know, I prayed for this last week. Why am I not seeing it? We've all been there. But he says, after the month, look, at, it might not look like much, but I'm going to promise you this. And he says, look, at, not only am I going to promise it, but I already made a covenant with you when I brought you out, out of Egypt. That covenant was already developed with you. You know what covenant we have because of what Christ did in us? What Christ paid for you and I? We already have a covenant established with him. Come on, somebody get excited. This is the word of God, right? This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. He, he was already talking about what was going to come. That's you and I. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're the temple of God now. That's what he was talking about there. He's like, keep building, folks. This is far bigger than you can imagine. That's what God was saying to them. This is far bigger than you can think. In Isaiah 58, 12, it says, 
your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings, or restorer of homes. See, these are things that God called you and I. That's who we're supposed to be. We're builders. We're builders. Matthew 7, 24 and 25, it says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had a foundation on the rock. Christ is our firm foundation. We're building on that. He says in 1 Corinthians 3, I laid a found, this is Paul speaking, he says, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. I want to be a wise builder. I want to be slapping something together because you told me I had to. Right? I want to be a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. And he says, but each one should build with care. See, remember when he kept saying, you know, carefully think about this. Now, when you're building something, think about what you're doing before you do it. <laughs> you know? Well, I know Chris does uh, cabinetry. It's a lot easier to measure and remeasure instead of just measuring, oh, yeah, it's good, and then it doesn't fit. Right? Well, sometimes we treat the things of God like that. Oh, who can I just, just do it? It's like, no, we got to be careful on what we're building. He says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Therefore, don't you know you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? You, you, you read verse 10 to 17. It talks a lot about building the foundation, being wise. And then it says even that when we come to stand before God, that he's going to look and see what we built with. Did we build with gold and silver? Or did we build with hay and stubble? You know, how do you build with hay and stubble? you're doing a lot in your own human effort. You're not taking the time with God and getting the blueprints and directions from him. I've done that. One time we worked at a street mission when we were 19. I was pregnant. And we just were like a house on fire. But we just thought being busy, 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 busy. You know, sometimes we lived at a mission and it was like that. It was just like the Task, 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 task. You didn't get your time to just hear God on what he wanted done. And this one time I was just crying. I was like, oh, God, I just feel like dying. Like, I know I can't kill myself, but, like, I just can't see how I'm going to get through this. It's so hard. And he showed me a vision of Greg and I just running frantically, just shoveling piles of hay, piles of hay in this furnace. And you know what hay does as soon as it hits fire? 
And that's what it kept doing. We just we were just running even faster, trying to get more hay in this. And then at the end, out came this little tiny gold piece of a man. And I was like, okay, I got the idea now. <laughs> this is too much of me and not much of you. God wants to not just ask us to be builders. He wants to impart his spirit in us to build. He wants to be there with you. That's why he said earlier, do not fear. My spirit remains among you. See, we have the living God with us, allowing us to be able to do this. But just like the prophets, just like when they were building the temple, opposition. How many know opposition is always there? As soon as they started to get some traction, all of a sudden, all the forces of hell came and started opposing. opposing. Now, they had already been shut down once. The, the first time it came around, that's why they shut down for the 18 years. Because they said, we command you to stop. Nobody said you were allowed to do that. But when the Spirit of God came upon them to do that, then when they started to do it again, he, they came up to them and they said, well, who told you you could do that? Who said that you were allowed to do that? And they had to go write the letter off to the dignitaries. You know what they did this time? They didn't stop. They just kept building. And then they took it a step higher. It didn't stop. And sometimes I think when we're in a new season, we don't realize the season that we're in. And so we're like, oh, yes, God said we're going to build. And we go to start building, and then the first thing that starts coming and whacking you and everything that says, this is not a time to build. What are you building for? You need to get busy trying to fix your own house here. It's in shambles. This, is, this isn't working. You need to do this. And that spirit that tries to push you back and say, stop. And it's like, no, I understand the season I'm in, and God is saying, I am now to build. And his strength is there. His power is there for me to be able to do that. Everybody say it's a time to build. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Ezekiel 13. Do you know, even with Nehemiah, when the walls, because first they did the temple, and then they had to build the walls. And both times that they came to start building, there was such great opposition to cause them to stop. And they had to know that they know that they know that God said, no, it's a time to build. And I believe in the day and age we're in, there are some resolves that we need to know that we know that we know. Because everything is trying to push you back and tell you to shut up. And if ever there's a time we need to know is the word of God. The one thing that Ezra brought, let me see where I put that. Haggai, 
He desired to see his people rise up from the ashes of exile and to reclaim their rightful place as God's light to the nations. That's what Haggai's whole message was when he prophesied. And this is what Ezra said. Ezra, he came and he taught and encouraged God's people to magnify worship as their top priority and that obedience was not optional. It's not optional. And to emphasize the need for and the use of God's word as the only authoritative rule for living and to be concerned about the image that God's people were showing the world. That's what, all. if you look at Ezra and Haggai, that's what these men were pointing us to. And we can learn from these men. Like we are called to be separate. When the world is in chaos, when the world is fainting in fear, when the world is getting darker, it says we are even more light. That the world should be able to look to the church and say, there's a beacon of hope. There is security there. You know, I think of Paul in the sh- when he was in that ship and it was going down. You know, God said, spoke to him and he said, listen, Paul, not only am I going to save you, but I'm going to save everybody on the ship because of you. People, that's us today. Because of where we are, the people around us are looking to us. And we need to be different. We need to be set apart. We need to, it's not optional to obey God. We need to be so close. We need to be imitators of Christ. You know, you know what Christ did? When Christ went into the temple and he saw a whole lot of business that wasn't going down right, what did he do? He started making a whip. And he says, get out. My house shall be called a house of prayer. He started bringing order to that house. And what did the disciples say when he did that? They went, oh, wait a minute. I remember a prophecy that said, the zeal of your house shall consume me. That's what they said when they saw that. And we are to be imitators of Christ. The zeal of the Lord is to consume us. In Romans 12, 11, it says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never. Can we say that? I always look at how I was when I first got saved. And it's sad to say, sometimes I am not as fervent as I was when I was first saved. And that always pushes me back. And I pray, God, return me to my first love. Forgive me, God, for drifting. God, just bring me back to that first love. Because I desire you, God. I'm sorry for getting tangled up in the weeds. 
I'm sorry for allowing my priorities to get messed up, but I desire you. And that's all it takes. When he says that I want you to be a builder, it just takes coming back to that saying, God, I, I desire this because this is what your heart is. Because your heart is for the church. Your heart is for the lost. And you have a great plan, but you need people to build it with you. Ezekiel 13. This is what he said, you know, about the prophets. He said, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and see nothing. He says, you're just going after your vain imaginations. He says, your prophets are like jackals among ruins. You have not gone up to the breaches in the wall to repair it for the people of Israel so that it will stand firm in the battle on the day of the Lord. I look at that word and I think, oh God, there's been so much that we call in the name of prophecy. And to be honest, a lot of it's just getting real wonky. We need to stop. It's like, if that word doesn't line up to scripture, it's not God. If that word is not building and repairing the breaches in the wall, if that word is not doing something so that you can stand firm in the battle, this, this is not godly. We've got to start walking in more discernment in this time. You know, I, I look at some of the things that people are preaching online, and it's like really strong, good preaching. Sounds wonderful. So articulate and really passionate and fiery and full of baloney. Because it's not even scriptural. It's a lot just to appease my pleasure. Like, we got to start getting wise to these things, people. When God speaks something, it's to establish, it's to repair, it's to build, it's to prepare you for battle. Then he says later on in Ezekiel, he says, a flimsy wall is built, and then you cover it with whitewash. But it's going to fall. When we build, we build on the firm foundation. We are not building something, just some flimsy thing, you know, because that's the new thing that's going out there. Sounds good, and we get everybody dancing and cheering and doing the jig. But in the end, what, did it, what was said? We're not, we need to get back to sound doctrine. We need to get back to our firm foundation. And, and I'm not against prophecy, but we need to, the Bible says we're supposed to weigh it out. Then it says here, On the 24th day of the ninth month, I'm back in Haggai, Aaron. In the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. 
If someone carries concentrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a ter person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do, whatever they offer there is defiled. Here it goes again. Now give careful thought to this. From this day on, consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. There are moments in our lives that we have to just say, okay, now let's give this careful thought. And let's consider what we're going to do from this day on. And I want us to look at that tonight and allow God to speak to our heart and say, okay, I, I, it doesn't matter to me what you got tangled up in this week, last month, last year. This is a time, a sobering time to ask God to deal with our heart. And we're going to give careful thought tonight. And it says, when anyone came, and he says, now remember this. This was before any stone was laid. And he talks about, you know, there was lack. There was, every when you would try to get uh, 20 measures, there was only 10. And then he says in verse 18, from this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, Give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. But from this day on, I will bless you. See, he didn't hold it against them. He didn't say, well, you blew it. Well, we just keep on doing it. No. You look at people who have done AA. I've, I'm this many days sober. I'm celebrating this many months sober. It's been this many years sober. We can learn from that. They're taking careful consideration. On this day, I said no, and I changed. And I got clean. It's the same thing with your walk with God. When he speaks, it's like, no, this day, I'm saying no. On this day, I'm remembering my covenant, and I'm choosing to build. I'm choosing to be a builder. I might not be good at it. I might not know what you're wanting me to do. But you know what? That's okay, because God knows how to talk to you. He knows how to tell you what is he is desiring. The thing is, is we got to stop being busy, and we need to listen. And I have found I can get busy, and the more God wants me to step into something, I have to go through a time when it's reprioritizing. You know what I mean by that? Like sometimes... It's like, okay, I can do this, and it's good, 
and this works because I have this amount of free time to do what I need to do or what I want to do, what I desire to build, but I'm doing this. But then God says, okay, now I want you to build here and do this. Well, now that's requiring more. So now I only have 24 hours in a day, so something has to give. And this is something I hear a lot of in Canada. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And the scary part of that is when I look at even the banquet, when God called them, he said to the servant, go out and bring them into the banquet. It's ready. The table's ready. And they said, I'm too busy. And the servant came back. He says, they can't make it. They're too busy. And he said, go out on the highways and byways. Call. Compel them to come. Why? Because the meal was already made. It was already available. And if you're too busy, you're missing out. But he's going to find people that are not too busy. And I'm going to be one of those. And if I'm too busy at the moment, I want to reprioritize so I'm not. And I've had to do that over courses of time in my life. I've had, you start feeling like I'm too busy, I'm too busy. At one time when I was in my 30s, I was very busy. And I ended up with shingles because I was so stupid. Just going around like a chicken with my head cut off. And then I went to God. I cried out to God. Like, oh, God, like, why have I got shingles? And I feel so bad for myself. I'm asking him to heal me. And he says, Martha, you've been busy. While well, you've been busy, Mary chose the right thing. And I was like, I'm so hurt, God, that you call me Martha. But I learned from that. It was like, I was very busy, but I needed to just spend time in the presence of God like Mary. And when I did, he healed me, and I got back on track, and I was able to go forward and to continue. And he's asking of you of that tonight. I know he is, because I was praying for your hearts to be receptive. So I want us just to close our eyes for a minute. Mike, if you can come up. Before we close our eyes, we'll end this, because this is what he says about the signet ring. He says, The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth and I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. And on that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant, Zerubbabel, son of Shotel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. I love that. Do you know who Zerubbabel was? He, was, he actually became a part of the lineage. And you can read it in, in Matthew. And he actually was part of the lineage of who Joseph was. 
the father, stepfather of Jesus. He was actually one part of the lineage. So God kept his word. He became that signet ring. You know what a signet ring is? Because you and I are like his signet ring. A signet ring was something that was used. Instead of a signature, you just took your ring, dipped it in wax, and pressed it on there. If somebody saw that signet ring, it was your, your family lineage. It says, okay, this is who my family is. We got it to cover it. This is decreed because this is what my family has authority to do. Well, you and I have Christ, and we're his signet ring. We're that signet ring that when he says, this is what is said. And it's like, that's because they are mine. I'm the Lord, and I've declared this. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. See, this is what we are as we are builders. It's like we can't think we're just going to get it passively sitting there. We can't think this is going to happen just by, well, I want the build, but like my feelings are hurt. Come on. We're not going to be able to do that. We got to get a little aggressive. <laughs> Colin, and I scare you. <laughs> I won't hurt you, I promise. But that's what we have to be like. It's like, no, this is a time to build. I don't care come hell or high water. It's a time to build. It's a time to build. It's a time to build. But you know what happens in that? Is that when we know it's a time to build, we are anointed for that. It's like, God, I know that because you've asked me to build, all of your heaven's resources are made available to me to be able to build. When I need workers in areas, we're not going to see lack. We need to be able to see more workers coming in. Why? Because it's a time to build. See how faith arises because you know the season you're in? It's it's not a season to, to prune and chop down. It's a time to build. It's a time to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. Now, this is what it says. I'm going to end with this verse. It says, Proverbs 24, 34. By wisdom, a house is built. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It says, by wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. And through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful imagery? Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. When I look at wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, you look at the epistles. What did they talk about? If anyone lacks wisdom, ask for it. It shall be given to you without any judgment. Paul prayed, I pray that the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the things that they prayed in the epistles. 
I ask that your understanding, that you would understand the depths, the height, the width, the length of the love of God. See, those things are building this house. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc. Thank you.